Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. All right, this is the 19th T podcast. Welcome back once again to everyone listening, wherever you might be across Australia or across the world in this instance. Uh, an incredible golfing story that I've come across on the social media world on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and joining me all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, um, paired up golf. I found this on Twitter and it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I reached out to the man sitting across the screen from me, Jeremy Wilson, to chat about this journey of traveling across all 50 states of the US and playing municipal golf or public golf, as we call it here in Australia. Um, and it resonated perfectly with us. So, Jeremy, welcome to the 19th team, mate. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Just give us the give us the lowdown. Where did all of this idea start from uh, well it started with 35 states if i'm not mistaken and then you expanded to 50 35 wasn't enough you just decided to go the <laughs> <I> whole hog <laughs> i know i know so so originally my my plan was to do um essentially like a loop around the u.s which when i would tell my friends that they would laugh as if that was like a normal thing to say <laughs> but <laughs> but you know I, I, so i live in nashville tennessee which is you know in the south um, southeast part of the U.S. And so I, my plan was to go south to Florida first. Then I was going to go west to California, uh, basically to the bottom left corner, then all the way up to Seattle, which would be more or less, you know, the, the complete northwest, mm -hmm. excluding Alaska, and then work my way to the east coast from there, just kind of across the top of the country and back down. So, yeah, all in all, it was going to be 35 states. And then and I was doing all this in a converted Sprinter van with my girlfriend and our two little dogs which uh, it, um, thank God they're small because I couldn't imagine doing that with, with big dogs. Some people do that, but, um, and so we, yeah, once we got going, we decided, you know, heck, let, let's just go ahead and do all 50 since we're out here. Um, and so we then went from a trip that was going to be, what I was thinking was three to four months long. It ended up being nine months long. <laughs> so, uh which, you know, my friends back home were like, when I got home, they said, oh, man, that's a really long four months you were gone. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so, so we just got back, um, really just got back in town. I mean, we finished the trip right before Christmas, but we just got back into Nashville uh, really, yeah, right before New Year's. I guess probably one of the things in terms of planning that, I mean, a trip like that's just, I mean, it's certainly possible to do here in Australia, but there's not much in the middle right? Like in, in America, yeah, there is obviously a, a lot, a lot in the middle that you could still play golf in a lot of those areas, but between here and Adelaide, I mean, there's not a lot. So in terms right. of planning, one of the things around that, that you just triggered my thinking on was returning just before Christmas. I imagine there would have been plenty of snowfall across the state. So you would have had to have planned around all of the weather as well, not just where you can get to in, in terms of tea times and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you're exactly right. So that's why originally, so I left in March, which is, you know, the beginning of spring around here. And I was like, okay, if we get through, if we go to the South and then if we get through like the desert area, kind of through Arizona and Texas and places like that, I was like, if we get through those by April, 
then I think we're, you know, then suddenly the rest of the country warms up and, um, and it's not a million degrees in the desert you know, quite yeah. yet. And so, but then, yeah. So once we started going a little slower and once we decided all 50 States, I, we were in, um, we were on the West coast and I just started doing some math in my head because we were about to go to Alaska, which, you know, we could have taken the van too, but we ended up leaving the van in Seattle and flying there yep. because originally what we we're going to do is put the van on a ferry and ferry it to Alaska and then drive wow. around up there. But, and we had that booked, but it wasn't going to get, or wasn't going to get us back in time to get over to the East coast, which would get like you were saying, you know, suddenly winter hits and yeah. good, goodbye tea times. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> uh so we i started getting panicked when we were on the west coast i was like oh my gosh we have 30 something states left <laughs> and <laughs> you know and so so i actually started calling uh these municipal golf courses on the like in boston and maine and these places in the northeast that are kind of historically cold and i said hey when do i need to get there by and they all basically said hey if you get here by at least by the middle of october you should be fine and so I kind of had that once yep. we got back from Alaska, um, which was really the beginning of August, we were we were moving pretty fast uh, through the rest of, <laughs> through the rest of the country. Um, and so, yeah, so then and we didn't really get hit by the cold weather. We got pretty lucky, but we didn't really get hit by it until around um, the end of November here and had a couple cold rounds. But I, I consider myself lucky because we could have got, had, you know, one of those early winters where it hits mm. and, and you're kind of screwed. So yeah, that was in my mind. I know my girlfriend was maybe a little upset about that part of it, but I was like, we got to go, we got to hurry. <laughs> we got to get there. It's going to, it's going to get too cold. Um, but it worked out like perfectly. We were able to play those courses in the fall, which in the Northeast in the fall here, it's like gorgeous. All the yeah. trees cha- you know, change colors and the courses are, you know, in prime shape. So yeah. So yeah, the planning aspect, you know, when we're in California, which you can play golf in year round for the most part, pretty much anywhere. It's, it's hard to remember that. (laughs) And then then suddenly you start thinking like, Oh no, we gotta, we gotta put the move on. We gotta get going here. Like any good road trip, right? It starts off slow and then all of a sudden you go, shit, we're, we're behind time. We gotta get, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be busted here, but you made it. So well done on on your planning. A hundred percent. Yeah. You must have one of the most understanding girlfriends in in the history of <laughs> of golfing people we just uh, had a wonderful a wonderful chat earlier um i mean this this episode is probably going to be out in february february march but um we had uh, a wonderful chat earlier in the year with a with an australian golfing broadcaster by the name of Ewan Porter who played with uh the drummer of Kings of Leon who is uh, also ironically yeah. from Nashville Nathan uh I, I can't remember his last name but um and he yeah. and he was t- telling the story that uh, while his wife was pregnant, Nathan's wife was pregnant, he played 140 rounds of golf um, wow. in, in nine months. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got that's very that's a very very understanding uh, <laughs> uh, girlfriend. Yeah. But your girlfriend is very understanding as well because you've loaded into a loaded into a van and driven around the US, which is no mean feat. How did uh, I guess how did that first conversation go? I reckon is probably what I'm most interested in. Yes. You know, this is something that like once we were in the van for so long, I kind of forgot about that aspect of it that that everyone would ask that. So like I've had people be like, hey, how did you sell this to her? Like, what, what was your yeah. what was your pitch to her? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. part. Of it. So, um, yeah. So really, 
I'm definitely, my mom reminds me of this. I'm definitely thankful to be with someone who, who has the travel bug, you know, who, who wants to get out and explore. And cause I know not everybody's like that. And, and she's also, uh, you know, not the type that needs, you know, she, she can live off pretty minimal things, you know, when you're living yeah. in a van and she, she can rough it pretty good. So she's not the type that, that has to, you know, have, a large bathroom and all this yeah, stuff yeah, too. Yeah. So I, I definitely you know, count myself thankful <laughs> there because, because uh, it's not always peachy in the van when you're trying to get ready to go somewhere and you're, yeah. you know, brush, brushing your teeth in the one little tiny sink you have in there <laughs> and everything. So um, yeah, so really, so thankfully she, she has a job here in Nashville where she's able to work from anywhere. And <laughs> as long as she has an internet connection. And so she had talked to her boss about that, which, and they, they were cool, you know, as long as she'd still got her work done, which was really thankful. And the good the good thing is, is that she was able to work the whole time. So that way she wasn't just sitting waiting for me to finish playing each time. And yeah. she, she is uh, like a competitive runner and, and runs a lot of marathons and does that kind of thing. And so she was training quite a bit. Right. So she's running the London Marathon coming up this April. Wow. And started training for that as we were going and, you know, ran a couple races just in different cities we were in as we were, as we were traveling. So sometimes, I mean, you know, sometimes when people picture it's like I'm out playing and she's just sitting in the van, <laughs> you know, like, like waiting for me to finish playing, you know, but really like I would come back a lot of times and she'd be really busy doing her own thing. And so I'd just be like, okay, you know, we can leave whenever. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> It's almost like she'd forget about me and just do her own thing, <laughs> which is good. So I'm sure, you know, that if she was um, sitting right next to me right now, I'm sure she, I hope she would tell a similar tale, but I yeah. think she would say there were definitely some times where she was like, okay, I'm ready to leave this golf course. Yeah. But <laughs> because I would, you know, I'd meet these amazing people, which I'm sure, you know, we'll get into, but uh, then I'd come back and, and it's really just me and her and our dog. So she was my sounding board. So every yeah. time I come back to the van, I'd be like, Hey, I just met this guy. You won't believe he grew up here. He used to do this. He used to do that. So she's heard every story that I've posted about, uh, but in way more detail <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, I, I, that's an important part that, that you mentioned there because um, it, this wasn't just a road trip to play um, in, in all 50 US states and, and play wherever you could. I, I, there was some strategy behind it that you, you implemented. And, and the whole point of it was, as the name implies, paired up golf that you were to be essentially book a tea time, get paired up with someone, learn about them and tell their story, which is phenomenal because the, particularly in Australia, and I'm not sure if if this is like a, uh, in the US, but there is a culture here of not wanting to be paired up with people in, in mm. Australia. I will be the first to, to raise my hand that when we've had three people ready for a tea time, I've booked all four spots because I don't want to get paired up with anyone. And that's a really yes. bad attitude to have. It's a really bad attitude <laughs> to have. And I definitely shouldn't do that. And I'm uh, after talking to you, I'm not going to do it anymore. But <laughs> it, it, I'm just wondering, is the culture of that somewhat similar or or how how is the, I guess, the paired up culture in, in the US compared to what I've just, just described here in Oz? Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I was curious about how it works in Australia if if people were were <laughs> open to that or not. Um, which I and, and to be to be completely honest, I've done the same thing you've done in the past, <laughs> where you know two or three of us are playing and it's like oh, I'll just book off fourteen times and you get to the course and you say like, well, it's just going to be three of us, or you say 
Oh, the fourth might be joining at some point. Yeah. Know, so. Someone's sick. Someone's a bit hungover this morning. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, he's late. I think he'll be here when we're on number two or three, you know, <laughs> as if, as if people ever really do that. And so, yeah. um, so, so yeah, so yeah. And, and actually when I first started doing paired up uh, a couple of years ago, I, my first post that I ever wrote was I hate getting paired up. And it was about like all the things I used to do to avoid getting paired up. And so, mm. Um, and of course that changed as you might guess <laughs> now that I've uh, done this project, but, um, yeah, as far as the culture goes, it's, that's, it's pretty similar as far as, um, or really it depends on the place I'd say here in the U S like if, if you're at, a maybe a higher end public course where you've paid a decent amount of money to play, people are a little more standoffish about that. And so that was another reason why. I did, you know, the municipal courses here in the U.S., which means, you know, not just public, but it means that, that it's city owned, like it's actually owned by the town, city, yep. village, et cetera. And so those places are, the, the doors are the widest there. The gate, the, you know, there's no gates, you know, there's no, um, sometimes there's not even tea times. I mean, usually there are, but like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a come as you are type place. You know, you can play with someone who's dressed like they're ready to play in a PGA Tour event or that they're wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt and it's the yeah. first time you yeah, know, yeah, playing yeah. golf. And so, and so I, I think that the culture at those places um, and part of the reason that, that attracted me to those places, I think they're more open to playing with anybody because a lot of people show up there and they're just like, Hey, you know, is anybody out here? Let's play. Now it's not quite like, uh, which I haven't, I've, I've hardly played at all like in the UK, but you know, from my understanding there, that's a major part of the culture is, you show up, you play with whoever's there. Yeah. It's not weird. To, it's not weird to pair up. So there were definitely times on the trip where, you know, I, I'd get in a group where I could tell they were really standoffish about yeah. me playing with them because I'm showing up to every course as a single. Yeah. And sometimes I would, I would book tea times. I would look online and see, okay, that group has two or one or three. And I would just throw my name in there and show up. But a lot of times I would just show up to the course because when you show up as a single, that's probably similar for you in Australia you know, they can usually work you on somewhere. Um, not everybody has four or, you know, something like that. So, mm. but there are definitely groups I can think of where, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, do you guys care if I join you? And I could see just the look on their face, like everything on their face and their body language is saying no. <laughs> but, but when you ask someone face to face, they're almost forced to say yes. Yeah, what are they going to say? <laughs> yes. And so I, um, and I can actually think about, this this these people I played with in, in the middle of the country in Nebraska here in Omaha Nebraska where this guy was so standoffish early in the round and I was like it, it was two people but I was like man I know this guy does not want to play with a stranger yeah but it was my only chance to play that day because every there was foursomes like everywhere else around and so then at the end of the round he apologized he was like hey I'm sorry I was being kind of a jerk at the beginning yeah <laughs> so, right. There so yeah, so culture-wise, yeah, at those type of courses, it's definitely more open to that. And um, at the nicer, at the nicer places, definitely less so. Uh, I would say here. I think that's you know largely largely the same here in Australia. I mean, we we definitely don't have the sort, particularly not here in Western Australia. We the, our most expensive public course would be 130 Australian dollars. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that's, that's June up just up the road from here, but that's very much, even if you showed up as a single, you're probably not getting on very much tea times. You've got to have it. It's 
So anyway, that's that is that Got is Australia. It, yeah. But um, what was what was it like? Where well, uh, let's ask a couple of questions. What sort of scores are you shooting? Like across across the thing, just paint me a picture of what sort of golfer you are. I'm like a twenty something handicapper, so don't worry about that. But what, <laughs> yeah. what sort of scores are you posting up? So yeah, I'm about uh, right around a one handicap. Yeah, and so that definitely helps when you're joining in with random people. Is but but as you know, maybe like when you play with random people, when you're hitting that first tee shot, there's like a lot of pressure because because it's sort of the first question that people ask too is, oh, what do you play off? And you're going. Hi, I'm a, I'm a one. I'm nearly scratch. Yes. Uh, there's a bit of expectation yes. there that you you better play well. <laughs> Correct. And and it's like you almost don't want to hit it too good, but you don't want to hit it bad at the same time. <laughs> so because a lot like a lot of times like during the week when I would get into these groups, it would oftentimes would be older retired folks who, you know, maybe they've they've played in the same Tuesday game for yeah. 30 years. And and yeah. those are fun groups to join, of course, too. And and so but if you get up there and hit a good one, they're like, okay, who brought the ringer? What's going yeah. on here? You know? And so, um, so yeah, but so but my background in golf too is, I mean, I've played my entire life and I, my dad played, older brother played, my grandparents played, my um, grandparents, my grandfather, and my mom's side started this like fertilizer chemical company that's more or less all over the U S now, like on golf courses. And so it's just like a real kind of golf culture. Yeah. Um, family and so but i mean i played every sport growing up for the most part you know football basketball tennis soccer um you know really everything and so but in college i got much more into golf and after school i've worked as an assistant um pro at a at a country club up in chicago for a couple of years here in the u.s and so during that time is when i like really was able to get a lot better and mm. when you're teaching golf and you're just you have a club in your hand most of the day you know yeah. like, <laughs> almost have no excuse but to get yeah. better and so yeah, yeah. um but then once i got out of the business uh i definitely enjoyed playing more than you know when you're when you're there all day and so so yeah so then uh but i, I don't know what it is about me but I, I just feel like i notoriously have a really bad opening tee shot at a lot of courses and so <laughs> and so i would show up in these groups and and, and a lot of times like they'll even ask you before you tee off like hey what's your handicap yeah and, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, I'm about a one or so. And they'll be like, okay, you know, and then, <laughs> and then, and, 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 you know, I, I basically never warm up on this trip. I think I hit range balls one time on the entire trip and it was just to kill some time because no yeah. one's at the course. And so, and so I get up there and, you know, I, you know, maybe I slept in a van or, you know, in the van, like mm. in some weird parking lot the night before and we show up and I'm tired and, and then I would hit some horrible opening tee shot and then have to like, like, all right, I better play well. Yeah, like, yeah. Got to so scramble. It's not a long day. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, uh, part of your, I was going to ask you about your golfing journey, which you got into there, which was great, and and part of it was also at the Golfers Journal, I believe. Um, spent mm -hmm. some time there. So obviously, um, the the storytelling side of golf was also a part of your nature, not just playing golf and getting better at it and getting down to a one handicap and teaching, etc., but actually telling the stories that come along and. And the photography must credit you for the photography as well has been outstanding on, on your link uh, uh, on your Instagram as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And that was, and they were definitely like working at the golfer's journal was super beneficial in a lot of ways. Um, one of that being, yeah, photography wise, like I, I see myself as uh, like, I, I've always like writing has always been my trade as far as a creative output, but you know, working there and seeing all the gorgeous imagery that 
you know, their host of photographers um, take it definitely when I first was working there, I was like, Oh man, my, my photos stink. <laughs> you know, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh gosh, I got to get way better at this. And so, um, and, and, but yeah, so I, uh, I, I've always loved the storytelling aspect of it. Like I even, um, which I didn't really love writing as much when I was in school. It was, it was kind of a thing that would happen after school. Some, when I would, I would write, I used to have this blog with some friends that we would all, it, it wasn't even golf themed. It was just kind of sports and pop culture and mm. write about whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I used to write about TV shows and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I've, I've, I've even done um, like in Nashville, I host a storytelling night uh, huh. that we usually do. We try, or at least we try to do once a month or so where it's six storytellers. You get 10 minutes to tell a story and, you know, so like, you know, I've written with those people and do that kind of thing. And um, I've done some stand-up comedy here in, in Nashville in the past, which yeah. uh, which will definitely hone your writing skills because yeah. it's either funny or it's not. Yeah, you know, instantly. Yeah, <laughs> like, as yeah, soon as you yeah. say it. And so, um, and then yeah, and then, so then I, you know, I'd done those things, and then through doing paired up, uh, someone had connected me with uh, a couple of the golfers journal guys as they were traveling once, and um, and then after that, you know, was, I worked there for a little bit over a year. Um, you know, doing the social media and, you know, working the podcast and writing a ton of the web copy and was able to write for the book uh, once. And so mm. anyway, that, that for me, that was almost like a schooling where yeah, you know, yeah. I was working with an editor who who really whipped me into shape at yeah. that point. And so, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so and then the story, yeah. And then I just had this, this itch and desire and burn to, to do this trip. And so ended up leaving there and, you know, to, to set up on this voyage. There you go. Well, oh, you can't see them, but they're all sitting behind me. All the golfers' journals. I've got all. Oh of them yeah, I see sitting that. there. Nice. So I'll uh, I'll go through and find find your one and and give it a reread. But um, so cool. where does where was the first round? And maybe take us to that first time. Like, are you kind of just going? I don't really know what I'm going to expect here. Have you called the course ahead of time and said, "Hey, this is what I'm doing"? Like, take us through that process, or are you just rocking up and you walk on the first tee and go, Hey, how you going? I'm Jeremy. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's a great question because, and, and something that I, I've thought about a lot since, since we started on this trip was, man, I had no, I clue or I had no idea, no clue what I was doing right away. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I, I had had this trip planned for really for years. I mean, I was going to do this trip originally in 2020 and then COVID hit and obviously threw a wrench into that. And then, the next year I had shoulder surgery and that kind of slowed it down, but also things weren't quite open. And, and, you know, I wanted to travel when you could really get a flavor for the cities and, and yeah. see how these courses operate and everything too. And so in my mind, I had been on this trip or ready for this trip for years, but then once I actually started the trip, you know, I felt like we had finally picked a date to leave because I was going to be in Texas by a certain time to caddy for a friend of mine and a golf tournament there. Yes. And so we, you know, we we're like, all right, we're going to leave on March 20th. And we had this date picked out last year. And then suddenly like that date rolls around and you're like, holy shit, we're leaving. And you know, in a week, <laughs> we got to go. And so uh, I think there's, you know, cause I had full-time job here that I was doing. So it wasn't like I was just sitting around in, in dream world planning this trip as well. And so, <laughs> um, and so, and, but I think there's, there's definitely a hidden power and maybe not even that hidden, but it, that there's a, a power in starting something before you're ready because I, I think that that's how you 
get good at something or that's how you get used to something is you start it. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm sure mm. you can look back at your podcast. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, like you said, three years ago or so and think, well, we had no, no clue what we were doing when we turned the mics on. Right? Yeah. And so, still done. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's how I felt early on is that, you know, I, I got to the course and the, so the first round I played was only two hours from here in a, in a town called Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I have some family there. That's actually where I bought the, the sprinter van from. Right was chattanooga and i had to get something fixed on it so i was like hey we'll stop there <laughs> we'll let these people fix this one thing it's just the issue with the kitchen sink and then um and then i played nine holes there with just a couple of cousins of mine that live there and then a friend of mine that lives there and so really the trip of playing with random people which i did the rest of the time started in atlanta georgia um that next day and i remember i showed up at this, at this course there and I didn't really quite know how to describe what, like, I didn't want to, like, I want to see how places operate without <laughs> being like, hi, I'm here. I'm working on this project. Yada, yeah, yada, yada. yeah. Like, yeah. I want to see, Hey, what's the course look like when you walk up and you try to get a tea time and you yes. pair up with whoever, you know? Natural. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cause like my number one rule of travel now after doing this or, you know, once I, once I got going is be completely anonymous, you know, like, like if you want to get a taste or flavor for a place, be anonymous, you know, like, don't go in there because if you if you call beforehand you say hey i'm working on a book or i'm doing this thing they're going to more or less roll the red carpet out for you or you're not going to get a a genuine authentic taste for how a place is if that makes sense yeah absolutely um and so i would you know once i got going i was like all right i just need to be completely anonymous now granted i'm pulling in there in a large white van so sometimes they're like what you up to yeah (laughs) yeah what are you doing and so (laughs) Um, but I, so, so my spiel when I would get there is, or I would always check in, I wouldn't really say anything beforehand. And then I would often play the round and then come back in and say, Hey guys, so I'm working on this book or, you know, I'm traveling, doing this thing. And then, then they'd be like, Oh, great. Hey, let, Hey, come here. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. And they'd take me, you know, show me some of the history of the course, or they'd take me into some basement with a bunch of old relics from the past yeah, and say, yeah. check this out, check that out. But I never really wanted to do that on the front end just so that way. I would say, hey, what's it like for a normal person to come to this golf course in New York and see what it's like, you know? And so, and then, so, but I also learned a really valuable lesson with the people I'm playing with too, because early in the trip, I would show up and I would say, you know, I'd get into these groups. And I mean, you can imagine this, imagine if it's you and two buddies playing and a random joins your group and they say, hey, I'm, I'm traveling right now. I'm working on a book about the people I'm randomly paired up with. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so like, I I would say that to these people really for my first probably four or five rounds. And then when I got to my hometown, which I'm from Florida originally, and I played my old hometown municipal course, I played with these two guys and I was, I was like, Hey, so I'm traveling and working on a project about the people I'm paired up with. And what it sounded like to them is, Hey, I'm traveling right now and I'm working on a book about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and you just met them 30 seconds prior, right? Yeah. And so 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 I what I saw is I saw them be really nice that day, but definitely really guarded, like really, you know, careful with what they're saying and I, and I could tell they weren't really being themselves cuz they're yeah, like, "Oh, okay. this guy is studying us," which I yeah. did not want people to feel like, right? Yeah. And so from that point on, I was like, oh, I can't tell people that you know, yeah. right, right off the bat. So yeah. I would just say, hey, I'm working on a book about municipal golf courses here in the U.S. And when you tell them that, they're like, OK, great. And they'll tell you everything about the course, you know, maybe some stuff that you can't find anywhere else, like online. And then and then, and then they'll be themselves. And at the end, I tell them what I'm doing and say, hey, yeah, I'm actually 
it's more about the people that I'm paired up with and they're cool with it because they, yeah, yeah. you've earned their trust. They know you, you've spent two to four hours with them. And so, yeah, definitely learned a lot of lessons early on for sure. One of the ones that, uh, one of the stories that really just stands out to me, um, that you posted on the 20th of November. Um, and I'm not sure if that was the actual date that you played and, and probably not, but the Augusta municipal golf course where, um, a, a gentleman by the name of Tommy, um, who was Tiger's, yeah. Tiger's caddy at the 95 masters. I mean, like that is, that blows my mind. Like that actually <laughs> blows my mind, right? Like, cause in golf, everyone wants to have some shred of connection to Tiger, right? Whether it's like, you know, for me, I saw him at the 2019 president's cup at Royal Melbourne and I was five meters away from from him that's my like that's what i'm holding my hat on right <laughs> that's my tiger sure, story yeah that's next level right so like are you just when when this when tommy mentions to you you know halfway through your round or whenever it was hey i caddied for tiger at the 95 masters are you just like jackpot like i've this is this might this might be the best story that's gonna be told on this on this trip a hundred percent and and that is I would always joke with friends and with my girlfriend about the, what I would call the random pairing gods. Like I'd always yeah. show up and be like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's see who the random pairing gods deliver today. And, and, you know, sure enough, like, uh, I mean, one thing that's, that's so special to me is showing up and just seeing what happens, like who you get paired up with. Right. And, and so I, I remember having this and just, I'll rewind a bit. I remember having this argument with, uh, an old an old boss of mine when I was pitching him this project and I was like hey I really want to do this thing um, and he was like well hey you would need the community to tell you who to play with when you get to a place and I'm like no 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 I'm like the magic for me is just seeing who's there and just getting that ra completely random pairing and yeah. seeing what's up and so when you when that happens and then you run into someone like Tommy it's I mean it's, it's pure magic of, yeah. of course and so yeah, so that was I, yeah. I posted his story really only uh, maybe a couple of days after we played, or maybe the next day. Okay. And so, because I played there just before Thanksgiving here in the U.S., which you know kind of end of November. And um, so yeah, so the Augusta Municipal. I mean, obviously, when you're in Augusta, Georgia, the Masters hovers over everything like yes. a really dense cloud, right? <laughs> and so, um, and you know, you go to the grocery store, people are wearing Masters apparel, and yeah. A lot of people in the town volunteer at the Masters every year, so it's not, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a big community event, right? For you or for me, like it's it's be unbelievably special to go and experience it, but for them, it's just you know, it's it's their local tournament. And so I I figured I was like, all right, people I play with today are going to have some kind of connection to, you know, to the Masters. I'm yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it'd be quite like that. <laughs> you know, I thought it might. I thought it might be. Oh, I volunteer on the 13th hole, and yeah. I saw this one shot. I didn't know it'd be, oh, I had Tiger's bag on my shoulder <laughs> his first time ever at Augusta. And so so the way that worked out is I, I showed up at this course. Um, it's just Augusta Municipal Golf Course. They The locals call it the patch because the the previous GM used to, it was like his wife used to grow, have a cabbage patch out there. <laughs> and so it's just always known as a patch to locals there. And, and it really has... Um, you know, an African-American culture there where, I mean, I was the only white guy in, in a group of, I don't know, maybe four or five groups that were playing that morning. Um, and so, so I showed up and, and again, just to my normal thing of like, Hey, let me just randomly get with whoever. And they were like, 
well, there's no, no one really coming out. There's just a large group coming out here in a few. And I was like, oh, hey, maybe I'll join them. And the guy was like, I don't know if they'll love that. And so, right. so then I, so I was just standing up by the front door for a little while. Cause I was thinking, all right, when I talk to them, explain what I'm doing, I think they'll be fine with it. And so one of the, just a guy who volunteers at the course, it was almost like he was giving me a roll call for everybody who would walk up. So he was, he was saying, and I was just standing up there to kind of, you know, talking to this guy and he'd be like, Oh, Hey, here's the guy, this guy runs the game or, Oh, Hey, here's this person. He used to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And then, then Tommy pulls up and I just thought he was gonna be like, Hey, here's Tommy. You know, he, he's played out here for 20 years, but he was like, Oh, Hey, here's Tommy. Oh, Hey, by the way, he actually caddied for tiger and the masters. <laughs> I was like, Oh, excuse me. Like when, what, what happened here? And so, um, and you know, I, I was born in 90s. So it's, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm 32. I'm not sure how, how old you are, but yeah. like, it's, it's not like, you know, I was five years old and, and 95 and it's not like I have like a super vivid memory of that, of course I remember, more you know 97 and yeah. and and the early 2000s of tiger like really well but um so he said that and and which was pretty remarkable and then i just got in this group and they were like hey yeah you go play with tommy and then the other guy we played with is a guy named jim dent who uh played on tour for or you know played on tour or the pga tour and then um the senior tour here like the the champions mm. tour as i yeah, call yeah, it yeah yeah and won like 13 times on that so it was just really just this crazy group i had no clue that I would run into. And so, um, and the coolest thing to me is that all of these guys grew up in this really, really low income area in Augusta that it borders uh, Augusta country club, which borders Augusta national. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, all these guys would grow up and, and basically almost everybody in the group were, were caddies growing up. Yeah. Cause that was the only job they could have because the South, you know, in America was super segregated and, um, and even back in the day, like the old, um, uh, the I'm blanking on the the title of the person who like runs Augusta National, but it was back in the day where he said the golfers are white and the caddies yes. are black. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, and obviously, thank God that's <laughs> a change, yeah. and you know, for the better. But but anyway, so these guys, you know, their goal was to to caddy there. They had to caddy at Augusta Country Club in order to get there. And so it was really crazy just hearing hearing these stories and you know, when you meet, when I met Tommy, I didn't want to just, just kill him with tiger stories. Yeah, like, yeah, tell me yeah. everything you know about tiger. What was yeah. that like? You know, yeah, so, yeah. because I'm, I'm sure anyone he talks to that's, you know, that's kind of first line in the obituary for him, right. Is here's Tommy, he caddy for tiger woods. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how you would be, you know, if you're playing with him, but you want to kind of ease into that and, and, and not, not pester him too much, but I did, you know, we did get into some good stories there and, and, yeah, I did ask him at one point. I was like, "Hey, what's what's something you really remember from that time?" Like, I understand that that was a long time ago, but what what stands out after all these years? And he told me this this great story of, you know, they're on the 13th at Augusta, and he said it was on Friday, so that you know, as he kept calling it, cut day, and and he didn't want to he didn't he did not want to caddy for Tiger. Yeah, like right. he wanted to. He when when they said, "Hey, you have this. You're going to caddy for this amateur kid." He didn't want to caddy for an amateur because he wanted a chance to win. Yeah, you know, he he had always like he'd come come in second, I think, twice at Augusta with people he'd caddied for, yeah. and he just he just figured I'm going to caddy for this amateur kid for two days and that's it. He's going to miss the cut most likely, and so they had to kind of talk him into it, <laughs> and uh, which is obviously crazy in hindsight. But so he said on the 13th hole you know, the, the famous dog leg left, uh, at Augusta. 
and the par five, the tiger drove it and he drove it up into the pine straw, which I know a lot of people remember like a Phil Mickelson shot from there that um, back when he won it. And, um, and so he was giving tiger a number to lay up to this green. Cause there's a Creek in front of the green on this par five. And he kept and tiger was like, no, no, what's the yardage to cover the Creek. And he like, no, no, he was like, no, no, just lay up, just lay up. And like kept trying to give him a layup number. And Tiger finally was like, what's the yardage to cover? And he's like, told him, oh, I forget what it was, you know, 220 or something like that. And he's like, give me the four iron. <laughs> Tiger, he's like, he's like, then he just hoisted one up like perfectly under the green. And that's when he was like, wow, I'm going to remember that shot the rest of my life. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Well, I just Googled then, went on to finish 41st and it was only amateur to make the cut. So there you go. That's pretty that's that's phenomenal like i when i was scrolling back through i was like that that's an incredible story but i guess at the other end of the spectrum there must be some stories that are just not that that's a that's not a normal story right that that correct you come across someone who's caddied for tiger woods there must be just so many normal stories of people like um i was uh scrolling through the one before from hawaii i'm gonna get the course name wrong Al- alawai golf course um with, is I think that you he, got it yeah is that right uh, good, with, da- good with enough da- by me yeah yeah with dave where he said that basically um people like him end up in one of three places jail institutions or dead and like reading through that story was just so powerful because it was a lot more normalized than the, uh, as amazing as the tiger one was. I'm not trying to put, put that down, but th- it just <laughs> yeah. felt so much more day to day. Do you know what I mean? There must've been so many like that along the way where it was just like, Oh yeah, cool. Like I've done that or I've experienced that or, or if you kind of picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, yeah, totally. And and that is something that when I wanted to do this trip and work on this project, like my project, as you're getting it here, obviously it's like, it's about the people, right? Like I, I try to stay totally people focused. I know obviously there's cool stories about the courses and I run across stuff like that as I'm traveling, but so my, you know, if I get distracted on out there or if I'm, if I'm worried about what I'm shooting, I'm always like, no, 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 hold on. It's the people, it's the people, yeah. it's the people. Right. And so, yeah. um, and so, and when I wanted to do this project, I wanted to do it about regular people like you and I, right. Like as, as I just wanted to, or people like Dave, like you just mentioned in Hawaii, um, because, you know, my, my belief is that everybody has a story to tell and, and not just a story to tell, but like everybody has a story that's going to kind of stop you in your tracks. You know, like everyone, you talk to someone and you might find out, oh, maybe someone just passed away that they're really close with, or maybe they had this really hard time in their life. And the cool thing about a good story to me is that a great story allows you, the reader or listener, whoever, to put yourself in that story and and then you realize okay the story is not just about dave the story is about all of us mm. right and so that's that's what i really like is that um when you meet these regular people and you tell their stories i mean you find out no one's story is regular right like again everyone has a, a, something pretty unique um, to them and i think it's super worth sharing and so that's what that's what i was really set out to do of course and i run into people that caddy for tiger that's an yeah. outlier for yeah, sure yeah yeah you know, that's where I'm like, well, this will be a much different day, you know. And so, um, but it, it, even if I take Tommy for instance, I, we talked about Tiger some and that background, but man, we got deep into in, into Tommy's story and and learned like he grew up with absolutely nothing. His dad was never around. His mom lived in New York or moved to New York to be a housekeeper, and then it was it basically left he and his sister to to basically grow up without parents. I mean, I mm-hmm. think he had a grandparent around that he maybe grew up with and really came from absolute absolutely nothing like to me 
which may sound crazy. I'm like, man, I almost find that more fascinating than yeah. him catting for Tiger. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes total so sense. That, that, that's what I look for with the, with these people is, you know, yes, yeah, it may start out ordinary. I may talk to someone and may, she may say, oh, yeah, you know, I work. I'm an accountant. I do this. I do that. I work for, you know, it may sound like I have this regular nine to five job. And then a couple holes later, they're telling me about how they never you know they stopped speaking to their parents after a while or they had some crazy thing happen and yeah um and that's where i always feel this this magical moment when i'm talking to someone and getting their backstory and this doesn't even have to be golf i mean you could be talking to anybody and when you, when this happens and there's this really great moment where it's almost like a door opens to a new room is how i, how I like to describe it where you know i'll talk to someone and they'll say like oh yeah you know i haven't really played much uh, I haven't played much this year since since my dad died back in you know the summer, and suddenly it's like like that door yeah, cracks open, yeah, yeah. and you're like, okay, well let's talk about that, and then you you see you just see the person in a whole new way, mm. and that's what's so special to me is I start out like I was saying earlier, like, hey, I'm the stranger, I'm traveling, can I play with you? you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then and then I would leave the round exchanging information with everybody and and feeling like I, like I made a genuine friend yeah which is which is great and and that's the cool thing about about when you talked about early on is the culture of pairing up that's what that allows to happen and it's a shame that people don't see that more often and again i i, I used to not see that i used to be like oh i just want to play with my buddy today or i just want to play with my dad today or whatever yeah. but that's what's available to everybody when they go to the golf course is you can get lost in someone's story and then that's probably what you're going to remember after the round the most more than that shot you hit into the par five or more yeah. than that, the two footer you missed to win the hole. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. 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 No, you're bang, you're bang on. And like, like you say, I think, I think that's definitely something that hopefully changes here. I'll, I'll certainly take some lessons away from it. I mean, I mentioned two stories there in, in Tommy and Dave. Um, that's only two out of 40, uh, 50 states. So there's 48 others. Are there any others without giving too much away with, with what's in the book that really stand out that you might be willing to share? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, all in all, I ended up playing with 269, you know, random people wow. on, on this trip. And so, cause, cause I played 111 municipal courses. So some States I would play, you know, California is a huge state here and we were in California for probably a month. So I think I played, oh gosh, eight, eight to 10 times there. And then some States I'll just play once cause it's small or we're just the way the road ended up. And so, um, I know. So, so I have quite a few, <laughs> I, I can yeah, get through, but, yeah. um, but yeah, some others that, that come to mind are, um, you know, I played with a lady in, um, up in New Hampshire and which is up, up in the Northeast here in the U S which is not like a really golf popular place necessarily. And it's, it's more of like a skiing yeah. and winter sports, uh, type type state. And so, um, I played with the lady there who, which I, I knew she was going to be cool from the moment, from the moment I met her, because I, I got to this course and it was one of those times where they're like, Hey, we don't have anybody else out here, but a group teed off. It looks like they're on number two right now. And I was like, okay, I'll catch up to them. So yeah. like I played the first hole as fast as I can. Yeah. I played the second hole and I, I eventually caught up to them on, on the third tee box. And before I could say like, Hey, do you guys care if I join you? She turned and like waved me up. She's like, Hey, do you want to come play with us? And I was yeah, like, right. Yes, thank you. And so, <laughs> um, and so uh, and her name is Jennifer. And I think about her a lot because she was on the city council for this town called Concord, New Hampshire. And 
and and that course was like in her district and so but she she came from um, a family where because I was like hey how'd you get involved in government or local government and she came from a family where her dad really wanted her 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 and her sister to to feel empowered and, and feel like they had a say in things and so he used to take her with her when he would go vote in different elections and and let her pull the lever back in the day right, and like yeah and do these things that like really got her into the life that she ended up living which i thought was really cool and and then she as we were playing this course i mean she's showing me this this moment just sticks out in my head is we're on this one green and she points across the street at this house and she's like hey do you see that house over there i'm like yeah and she's like you see that the drain like this drain on the ground by this guy's driveway which of course i'm you know i'm like yes i see that mm. <laughs> and she's she went on to tell me that the city redid this guy's sidewalk and they got rid of that drain. And this is, he was an old, um, I think Vietnam war veteran and maybe in his nineties. And he was afraid to go out to his mailbox cause he was going to in the winter time cause he thought he might slip on the ice because then water would pull up there. It would freeze. Right. And so she fought um, like hell to get this drain, put it back into this guy's huh. at the end of his driveway. So that way water would drain so he could walk out and get his mail in the winter time and not slip and fall and hurt himself and yeah. it was just like she she cared so much about little things like that and i'm like man you need people in your community that that give such a shit about yeah what looks like such a small thing yeah and and so and then you know her of course she has plenty more depth to her life story too but um yeah she definitely stands out uh, as one that when you're around those kind of people it's just really inspiring you're like man here's this person in this town that i've never been to that cares so deeply that it makes me want to care about stuff yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. infectious infectious in that way for sure was there part any part of the country that you went to that surprised you in terms of the golf because i mean you're obviously you're obviously not going and playing the best courses in in each of the states right otherwise it'd be a very different very different golf trip and probably a lot more expensive for you to be going and doing <laughs> Correct, that. Yeah. But you're going and playing these municipal golf courses that are so accessible, as you mentioned, the gates essentially don't exist. And if they do, they're very wide open. Was there anywhere that you kind of went and you were like, wow, this is actually a really good golf course for a municipal golf course. And like people should come and play this. Yes, totally. So then that, that happened a, a handful of times to the point where I would come back to the van and tell my girlfriend like, man, this place really rocks. And she, yeah. she kept saying, I feel like you always say that. I'm like, no, 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 this one really does. Yeah. I promise, you know? yeah. So, so, you know, th there's famous ones here, like, like there's famous municipal courses that are, they're still owned by the city, but they're big and well-known, you know, like, like Torrey Pines, yeah. um, Chambers Bay, Bethpage Black, uh, Harding Park, you know, in San Francisco where they played the um, the PGA a couple of years yep. ago and, you know, obviously the president, president's cup years past. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so there's, there's those bigger ones that I don't need to tell anybody about cause everyone knows those, <laughs> those places. Um, and so, um, so I, I played those of course, but, but yeah, these, the community ones that really stood out to me, like there's one that I think about a lot that was in, um, in Eugene, Oregon, which is, uh, not very far from Bandon Dunes. I went to school um, at the university of Oregon. Did you really? Mm -hmm. No way. That's crazy. So did you? There's a little Oregon thing up there. Oh man, that's so crazy. <laughs> okay, so but I wasn't uh, a golf. I wasn't a golf nut when I went. So like I was like I didn't even really know about Bannon Dunes, and so I yeah. That, 
big regret. That's but too anyway, funny. Push on. Well, let me go. let me tell your audience that I'm not pandering to you. I had no clue. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so well, there's a course in Eugene uh, called Laurelwood. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, but but so people back in the day used to know of it. It used to be a total dump apparently, and people used to know of it as Laurel Weed because it was just like. <laughs> Yeah. just uh, pretty run down but yeah i met this guy who is a superintendent who's who's also like you know this what the co-manager of the place and he's redone so much of the course and it's so cool that which i had no clue i, I just i was like oh i want to go to eugene well i, I kind of have this affinity for the ducks just because yeah. it's such a cool mascot and yeah, yeah. and um have always kind of loved that and when we were passing through there i was like all right i want to stop there i want to play oh it looks like they have a nine hole muni and so yeah i showed up with no expectations at all and then I play this course that is so much fun. And I was like, man, this place needs to be on everyone's Bandon itinerary because people yeah. fly into Eugene a fair amount to go to mm. Bandon yeah. Dunes. And and sometimes people are looking for a, a warm up round when they get somewhere. Right. Or yeah. maybe they're looking for one last round when they're leaving. Uh, any any yeah. golf nuts like yeah, yeah, sees yeah. a few a few open hours on a travel plan is like, hey, we can get nine in. You know? <laughs> and so um I, I think that place should really pop off for that reason so like that that's one that, that comes to mind and and their ninth hole out there is just such a cool par five that um they actually have a webcam because you can't see the green so you like you can get online and see if anyone's on the green by looking at the webcam <laughs> just to, to see sick. if you're clear to hit but um it's and, and the vibe out there is great they have a restaurant that a bunch of people from the community go to that don't play golf so there's just people hanging out there and it's just a, it's like a perfect community place um yeah, so like that, that place, even the place in New Hampshire I was talking about a minute ago, um, th this place called Beaver Meadow is super cool. Um, and then the one I, I played recently, I think actually the cup I'm drinking from today is from the Charleston Muni yeah, <laughs> in Charleston, right. South Carolina. Yeah. And they they did had a, a renovation recently that was super cool that, you know, I, I kind of, I guess I expected that one to be cool when I got there because I knew a little bit about it. But um but yeah, that, that's so funny that you went to Oregon because that one in Eugene is one that <laughs> always stands out to me for sure. <laughs> well, I'm actually coming. I'm actually coming back to the states for my honeymoon in a in a few weeks' time after our wedding, and we're stopping through Eugene for a couple of nights. So there you go. That might be uh, that might be my little my little outing um, because certainly looked at playing like Bandon and and some of the others, but unfortunately not not really in the price range. Uh, <laughs> well, just just. I was yeah. about to say this one's yeah. So you can you can spend less than thirty bucks and, and have a good time, but you can also tell your spouse and say, you know, hey, I used to play this course all the time. I really need to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> you go. This place means so much to me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me about finally coming back to Nashville after the trip. I mean, in in any length of trip, um, I think there are, there are points in the trip where you like either maybe maybe questioning like jesus is this really worth it or i just want to get home i miss i miss my couch or whatever it might be like there's there's little things along the way of a big trip i imagine that happened for you what was it like when it was probably all coming to an end and you're driving back into nashville and it's i'm sure it's probably mixed emotions really in in terms of hey i'm glad to be home but also that was a once in a lifetime trip you're never going to do that again yeah you hit the nail on the head there yeah that's exactly right and yeah a mix of emotions and one you know the 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 perks of going home is like oh i'll have my own shower i'll you know i'm yeah, back yeah. in a place where 
I can get in and out of bed easily. I don't have to hop up there in the van. <laughs> like, and all these little things of like, I don't have to worry about how much sink water I'm using and then have to dump that out. <laughs> yes. So, like, you know, I was definitely looking forward to the amenities, but I, coming home has been more difficult than I thought. So I, I've been, today probably marks like a week of what I would call like back to real life, more or yep. less. And I mean, last week was really hard just because for nine months there, my identity was the guy on the road traveling and you kind of feel exotic when you're doing that. Right. And yeah. you're, you know, everybody that you meet in the process, even if you're just getting a haircut and they're like, Hey, so what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm actually traveling right now working on this thing. And it's like, Oh wow, that's interesting. You know, and you're, yeah. so I had, I had this identity stamped on me for nine straight months, more or less. And then you get back home and that, you know, that that's gone. And you start to see, at least this past week, I've started to see, you know, like, I, I see my old routine from my old life and a lot of that I like don't want back you know yeah. I'm like oh no no I, I've 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 seen stuff that I can't unsee now like like I, I want to be this new person that I became on the road and it's almost like this clash of identity since I, since I've come home which has been uh, last week was just challenging I mean, there'd be times where I'm like okay now I have like reliable internet I'm sitting here I you know I'm like I can get a lot of work done also I have nine months of stuff to organize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back, like, you know, like just unloading the van, which is not that much stuff, but like then all your stuff in your house, you're kind of looking around. And um, I mean, one thing I did is I, I purged a bunch of stuff. I got rid of a bunch of stuff when I got home because after living in such a confined space and doing that for nine months, it was a eye opener of like, oh, I don't need 70% of the shit that I have in my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. I was yeah. like, wow, there's so much clutter and crap here that that I do not need to live off of. So I mean, I took so many bags and you know, the donations last week to this place in Nashville clothes and just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. That I was like, okay, I don't I don't need this stuff. So yeah, it's 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 been a little more challenging just for you know from an identity standpoint of of being home and now, especially now, like, uh, you know, what I'm working on now is a book about this project that I just did. And it's like, oh, man, now's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, more or yeah. less, because and now it's like, all right, now I got to sit down with my thoughts and figure this out. And, um, and another weird part about coming home is that every day on the road, not, not that I had it completely mapped out to where I knew where we were going to be every second on the road, but like I always knew typically the next city or the next stop. And it was mm. like, OK, hey, so I'll play here today. We'll we'll go do some touristy stuff in the city this afternoon that we can spend the night here and then we'll drive to the city the next day. It's like, I had my days mapped out probably more than I have ever had my entire life. And then, <laughs> then I got home and like my girlfriend kept, kept a calendar when we we're on the road where she would just write down what city, you know, what cities we were in each day. And now that we're home, it's like, obviously you're not going to write, write down like Nashville, yeah. Nashville, Nashville, <laughs> Nashville. And so, but it, it, it's a really weird feeling being home because now it's, you know, I don't have this super clear itinerary. I've also, this will be my first book that I've worked on, like a complete book. And I don't really have a roadmap for that because I've never done it before. So just a lot of, a lot of figuring out to do now that I'm back and, and trying to uh, organize my thoughts, my place and, and kind of organize my place in the world now, yeah. essentially after being back. Well, uh, if people want to stay up to date with all the latest on the book, cause I'm sure that'll be, um, people will be wanting to, to, find out more information obviously uh paired up golf on uh instagram and twitter and i don't know facebook anywhere else any other any anywhere else you want to give a plug to yeah no no facebook but uh i'm going to start posting stuff on tiktok here i, I opened an account a little while ago but i haven't nice. used it much so 
Nice. Um, one, of the, one of the many people were posting golf content uh, on TikTok, but this will actually I was be good about golf to say. <laughs> good golf. Yeah, I was about to say, it'll be, uh, you won't see me doing a TikTok dance, but I will be on there. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I can promise people is like when they, when they interact with my stuff, it's not going to be about, you know, me necessarily. It's not going to be my golf swing. It's not going to be what I shot or really what anybody shot. Like my, my motto is stories beyond the scorecard. And when they interact with that, it's going to be either about a, a municipal course potentially, uh, or it's going to be just about the people I'm paired up with. And so yeah. we'll see how that does in, in the social media world. That is kind of not all about that. You know? <laughs> do you have a, do you have a rough timeline for the book at all? Cause I mean, you got to collate nine months worth of content essentially into a book that, you know, you don't want to make a thousand page book. And although I'm sure you could easily do that, you've got to condense it down. Correct. I know. And that's something that every editor I've worked with has always been like tighter, make it tighter. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, Cut yeah. out many words. So now I'm like, Oh shoot, not really got to work on that. So <laughs> yeah. So um, no, no strict timeline, but I'm thinking, um, so my girlfriend is running the you know London marathon in April. So I'm hoping to have, you know, most of it knocked out by then. And, and um and then kind of get on to the the more business marketing side of that um for sure once that rolls around so we'll see amazing well it's going to be uh i'm certainly looking forward to reading it it's going to be incredible what you've posted on instagram and twitter for for everyone listening to this they should definitely go out and follow and and just go back and scroll and read some of the stories that are on there because there's some incredible stuff uh you've had a, a wonderful trip uh, no doubt uh, one that's made me very jealous watching from a long way away but um, yeah certainly looking forward to reading all the stories so we we thank you for jumping on the 19th tee having a chat to us uh, very early in the morning over there in Nashville but um, yeah we really appreciate it mate so thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me thanks for staying up late <laughs> your time and um, and hey next time you play whenever that may be jump into a random pairing see what happens <laughs> great call I love it <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> All uh right. -huh.